Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God may want to do, not, not just make it good again, but make it better than it ever was before. Only God can do that. And this is what God is doing with Job. This is the God we serve. This is who he is. And this is how good he is. He could have just as easily just restored Job what he had before. Because what he had before was just exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ever imagine. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Job had a really good life. That's part of why Satan targeted him. Yet when all of it was lost, as painful as it was, Job never stopped believing that God knew what he was doing. As Pastor J.D. points out in today's message, God not only restored Job's earthly blessings, but he blessed him above and beyond his previous wealth. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. and Job chapter 42 with today's study. I, just, I shudder in horror to think that if it's when I pray that God will just open up the heavens for me, does that mean, conversely, that if I don't, he won't? Well, think about that. We were talking about this on Sunday in Ephesians 4, and we're going to sort of dovetail this Sunday, Lord willing, in Ephesians 5, because Paul kind of continues his exhortation concerning forgiveness and loving one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. And what's interesting is, is that when we withhold forgiveness from others, or we withhold love for others, when we ourselves have been on the receiving end of God's forgiveness for us, and God's love for us, that's what Paul said, number one, gives the devil a foothold in our lives. And, and what does the devil want to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And not only does it give the devil a foothold in our lives, but it also grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't know which one is worse. Maybe grieving the Holy Spirit of God? You know that you can quench the Holy Spirit? I, I think of the illustration of the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can quench that fire by pouring water on it. And we quench it. And unforgiveness can quench, not just grieve, the Holy Spirit. you got to know that Job had to forgive them. I think about what Paul said about how we're to forget those things which are behind. You know, some of us, maybe I, I speak for all of us here tonight, We've all been hurt by people. And some of us so unjustly, so cruelly, so just, I mean, bitterly. And 
if we don't forgive them, it doesn't matter if they apologize or not. You're not doing it for that reason. Well, I, I can't forgive them. They, they, need to, they need to ask for forgiveness before I'm going to forgive. No, they don't. You can forgive them whether or not, irregardless of whether or not they ask for forgiveness or not. And you need to forgive them because if you don't forgive them, then here's what happens. This uh, seed of bitterness sort of germinates and sprouts in your heart and then it can start to grow and bear this bitter fruit in your life. And the writer of Hebrews again says that that bitterness will defile you. Now, I think you would agree that Job had every reason to be very bitter towards these guys. You know, we sometimes say, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. That that means you're not going to forgive. You're always going to hold that resentment towards that person. Yeah, but what they did was wrong. I know. But it's not fair. I know. I don't know if I can forgive him. No, you can. You want to know how? Because God's forgiven you. Just as God has forgiven you of your trespasses, so too can you forgive those who have trespassed against you. That's the source of forgiveness. Because you have been on the receiving end of forgiveness, you can forgive. That's how. In in fact, that's the only way how to forgive when it comes that way. And when you forgive, you free yourself and you untie the hands of God's blessing on your life that heretofore have been tied by the bitterness of your unforgiveness. The ropes of your unforgiveness tie the blessing, the hands of God's blessing on your life. So Job had to have forgiven them. And we, we talked about this as well. I just love this about God's word. It doesn't matter where you're at in God's word, Old Testament, New Testament. Where you're at in God's word is where you're at in your life. God's word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. But it's interesting to me because you cannot stay angry at somebody that you're praying for. And I find it very interesting that God has Job pray for them. Why do you think that is? Because God knows that in order for Job to be forgiving of them, he's got to pray for them. That's the only way. Now, it may start off a little rough, and that's all right. God understands. You know, when you start praying for them, you might pray that they, I'll let you fill in the blank. You can use your imagination. (laughs) But it's not long before... God just begins to change your heart. It's been said that that prayer changes the prayer. Prayer changes the prayer. So the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then... (laughs) All his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Oh, 
now you're here. <laughs> I don't, apparently by your reaction, you're thinking what I'm thinking, right? Where were you when? <laughs> you know, when I was really going through it, the only guys that were here were well, those guys <laughs> that I just got done forgiving and praying for. Each one, get this, gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now, and I love verse 12, I love verse 12, I love verse 12. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Wait, was Job blessed in the beginning? Oh yeah, way blessed. Blessed beyond imagination blessed. And he's blessed more. I was thinking about this today in the context of something else that I'm dealing with right now. And the Lord reminded me of, of something I've, I've known, I, but I just need to be reminded of it. And you know how that is where you know something, but sometimes you just need the Lord to remind you about it. It's not that the Lord is going to make it good again. He's going to make it even better than before. Not that the Lord is just going to make it good again. He's going to make it better than it ever was before. I remember years and years ago on the mainland, I was counseling this uh, couple, this married couple, and they were having some real intense and serious marriage uh, problems. And, and um, I, I made this comment to them. I said, you know, God is able to not just make your marriage good, God is able to make your marriage better than you could have ever imagined. Because in their particular case, they, they were doing good. And then things started getting not so good. And her comment was, I just want it to be good again. And I said, you know, God may want to do, not, not just make it good again, but make it better than it ever was before. Only God can do that. And this is what God is doing with Job. This is the God we serve. This is who he is. And this is how good he is. He could have just as easily just restored Job what he had before. Because what he had before was just exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you could ever imagine. Get this. And I, I, I need to provide some context here. Okay, so the latter days of Job, more than his beginning, were blessed. And listen to these numbers. For he had 14,000 sheep. Okay, here's the perspective now. To have even one sheep in that day, you were considered to be wealthy. One. One. To own one sheep. You were, you were, 14,000 sheep? Hello? How, how about, okay, camels. Now, for those of you who have been to Israel with us, you know how I feel about camels. Okay? I do not like, so when we're in Israel, people say, hey, Pastor Jay, aren't you going to ride a camel? I mean, you know, they say it jokingly because I'm an Arab. I should want to, want to ride it. I will not ride a camel ever. Never have, never will. Now, if there are camels in heaven, I might reconsider. But that's another topic for another time. They are the most hideous creatures 
on earth. They're actually very interesting creatures from what I've heard. But to have a, a camel, one camel, this was the mode of transportation. This would be like owning a Mercedes Benz or even a more expensive car than that. And <laughs> he has 6,000 of these things in his garage. 6,000 of them. 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. Now verse 13 is really interesting. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Wait a minute. That's what he had before. I thought the Lord was going to bless him twice as much as what he had. Wait. He still has them. His ten children, his seven sons, his three daughters, they're in heaven. These are seven more and three more, ten more for a total of 20. It's still twice as much, but he gets them here on earth. And, verse 14, interesting detail to finish out the book. He called the name, now these, <laughs> these are the daughters. Interesting, no mention of the sons. Just that there were seven of them. I don't read too much into that, okay? But we have a, a very detailed description of these three daughters. He called the name of the first Jemimiah. Uh, no, Jemima. No relation to Aunt Jemima, I don't think. Am I pronouncing that right? Probably not. Oh well. This, the name of the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Keren Hapuch, again, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And listen to verse 15. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. Wow. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Now, again, this is where we need some of the cultural dynamics. This was unheard of. In my culture, even to this day, in the Arab culture, the girl never gets nothing. It's always the firstborn son. Thank you very much. And the firstborn son is to then distribute the inheritance to all of the uh, siblings. That's the birthright. So remember the whole thing about with Jacob and Esau? It's the birthright, the firstborn. And Esau tries to uh, grab the heel of you know their fraternal twins in the womb. So there was this birthright as the firstborn that you were entitled to the inheritance. And isn't it interesting that we're told that he, Job, gave them an inheritance along with their brothers as well. Well, if you think about it, he had quite the inheritance to give. There's plenty to go around. So guys, you can have the camels. We'll take the sheep and the oxen and the donkeys. All right. So, verse 16, after this, Job lived 140 years. Now, it says, after this. So, this would imply that he lived for another 140 years after this. 
How old was Job prior to this? We don't know. What are you saying? Well, think this through with me. You know how it is that sometimes it seems like when you're in a trial that it can't end soon enough? And it seems like there's no end in sight. And it might be a trial that lasts for six months, might be a trial that lasts for one year. Or I was uh, talking, in fact, last Thursday night when Pastor Mac filled in for me. Uh, I was talking with this uh, sister from the mainland. We were visiting my cousin. She was telling me about this trial that lasted, and she was praying and fasting uh, and going through this trial for 10 years. If you're anything like me, I don't like that number of years in the same sentence as the word trial. 10 years. And then she had this grand and glorious end to it and this this praise of what God did as only he can. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, ah, I could go on and on. But I point that out for this reason. When you look at the bigger picture and you step back from that trial you're in, as long as it's been, and yes, it's been long, but but God... <laughs> You think about the after, those two words, after this, there are, there is life after this. This trial that you're in, there is life after this trial. Now, you're not going to live for 140 years. (laughs) Who would want to? But we're told then, lastly, he saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. Now, for those of you who have grandchildren, this is priceless, right? I think it's in the Proverbs. It talks about how the grandchildren are so precious in the eyes of the grandparents. That I've, I've, I'm not a grandparent yet. I know I look like I could be. <laughs> but um, I've heard from grandparents that there's something about holding your grandchild different than, than your own child. I had one grandparent say, because when you're done, you can give them back to your kids, and then (laughs) you don't have to deal with it after that. You just get the the fun, fun stuff. Well, if the Lord tarries, I'll find out one of these days. No pressure on my kids. But um, so get this. So Job uh, lived to see and enjoyed his great, 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 great grandchildren. How's that? Let me ask this question. Do you think if you would have went to Job and told him in the midst of all that he was going through, hey, Job, hang in there. You know what's going to happen after this? (laughs) You're going to live for 140 years. You're going to enjoy your grandchildren for four generations. God is going to restore you twofold everything that you had after this, just hang in there. Could you imagine? Maybe for you tonight, you need to hear this. After this, just hang in there. (laughs) After this, this is what awaits you on the other end and at the end of that trial that you're in. So verse 17, Job died old 
and full of days. That is another way of saying that he lived a fulfilled life to the end. And that brings to end the book. To me, the book of Job can be summed up in this final chapter in a number of ways. One of which is that God will always have the final word concerning everything and everyone in the end. God will always have the final word. One of the things that I'm learning in the trials of life is that no matter how bad it is, it can never change how good God is or who God is. Who God is and how good God is. I want to close this amazing book. It's just been a a tremendous blessing with some quotes from some of the, the favorites, Charles Spurgeon being the first. Listen to what he says. He says, Our sorrows shall have an end when God has gotten his end in them. The ends in the case of Job were these, that Satan might be defeated, foiled with his own weapons, blasted in his hopes when he had everything his own way. Think about that. Satan lost in the end. Because wasn't that what this was all about? You do this, and in the end, Job will curse you to your face. But in the end, Job never did that. G. Campbell Morgan. In this great book, there is no solution of problems. There is a great revelation. It is that God may call men into fellowship with himself through suffering. And that the strength of the human soul is ever that of the knowledge of God. Again, Job never got any of his questions answered, but what he did get was a fresh revelation of God. And that was good enough. Adam Clark, lastly. The greatest, the most important purposes were accomplished by this trial. Job became a much better man than he was before. The dispensations of God's providence were illustrated and justified, Satan's devices unmasked, patience crowned and rewarded, and the church of God greatly enriched by having bequeathed to it the vast treasury of divine truth, which is found in the book of Job. I thank God that he included this book in the pages of Holy Scripture for us all of these generations to mine the riches from within it. Job's life shifted radically and quickly from prosperity to despair, giving him every reason to complain and turn away from God. Yet Job kept his focus on his Creator, telling us in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not easy to praise the Lord when everything we know falls apart. But as we'll continue to learn from Job, God has a much better and greater plan than we can even comprehend. God will bring us through every trial and tragedy we face and is our ultimate source of comfort and strength. Have you discovered the powerful love of God in your life? 
If you'd like to know more about this relationship, we have a great guide for you at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family, one that follows God with all their hearts and live by His Word, and we'll provide you with support as you walk this journey of faith. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today, but we want to thank you for listening. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Job, right here on In Spirit and Truth.